Let's stand as we read the Word of God. John chapter 12 and verse 24 this morning. Great portion of Scripture. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ is doing the speaking here in this portion. It says in John chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Let's pray. Father, today I pray as we come and as we worship you, that, Lord, that we would see the importance of what your Son did for us on the cross. Lord, it was a tremendous sacrifice. And, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. For without him, Father, we'd have no hope. We'd have no home in heaven. But, Father, because of Jesus, we have all of those things and so much more. We thank you for the brave men and women of our nation, those that are serving in the past, or served in the past and those that are serving right now. God, I pray that you would just be with them. The ones that are serving now, if they don't know you as their Savior, that they'd come to know you. Put your trust and faith, their trust and faith in you and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there may be one here today that does not know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that they'd, they'd ask Christ to come into their heart and save them. Lord, I pray for your words this morning. I pray that Jesus would be high and lifted up and magnified. Lord, we'll give you all the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One time during World War II, a mother and her young son were walking through the streets of their little town. The little boy noticed in the windows of the houses a flag and a little star. The little boy asked his mom, he said, Mom, what's, what's that flag and the, the star there all about? I don't understand that. And the mother explained that the people in, that, in those homes had given a son in the war. As they continued down the path, the little boy noticed not just one star in some of those homes, but two and three stars in those homes. As it began to get dark, the first star of the night came up. And the little boy explained to his mother, said, Mommy, God must have given a son too. Truly, God did give his son to purchase our liberty, our freedom from the chains of our sin. In order to have freedom, whether it be spiritual or physical, someone has had to be willing to lay it all on the line. For some, it required the payment of the ultimate price, their very life. We enjoy the tremendous freedoms that we have because our forefathers were doing whatever it takes or whatever it took to secure our freedoms. Each of those brave men and women looked beyond their own comfort and their own security. And they saw their family. They saw their loved ones. And they saw the next generation. They wanted them to enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
How about you? I praise God for our forefathers. I praise God that they were willing to take a stand for freedom. In John chapter 12, verse 24, we notice three key points to consider. The cost of liberty in the past. And the cost that it will cost us in the present if we're going to secure liberty for the future. The title of the message today is, In Order to Have Liberty, It Will Cost Something. It Will Cost Something. I want you to notice, first of all, the first point we see in this portion, the sacrifice of one. The sacrifice of one. It says here in verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Jesus here is speaking about his own upcoming death on the cross. You know, it's man's nature to survive. I think that's where it comes out, survival of the fittest, that uh, Darwin came up with. Oh, it's a long, long time before Darwin, the idea that we want to survive. Our flesh wants to live. Those in the hospital, uh, when you go to those people, loved ones, and we've seen many of our friends and loved ones in the hospital and they're, they're struggling in this body to keep going. Part of our physical nature. Jesus shares once and again the purpose for which he came to die. He came to die for your sins and for mine as a ransom for many. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If mankind would know the freedom from sin, it would require the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, the sacrifice that God would accept and the only sacrifice that God would accept for our sin. Jesus shares this truth in this parable, a parable of, of the wheat and the harvest. Notice as we look back at this verse, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. The word corn, it's, uh, in the Greek, it's the idea of a grain. In order to enjoy a harvest one day, it would require a death. Here, the death of a grain of wheat. You could not have a harvest without having a sacrifice. People are planting. I've seen people all over having their garden, and they're planting seeds. Well, it's the same idea that we're talking about here. This idea of a sacrifice so that you can have a harvest. Many have sacrifice that we might meet here today in freedom. Do you realize in places around the world, they don't have the freedom that you and I, that we have? I was sharing with the men yesterday at men's prayer breakfast a message that Dr. Gibbs had shared about he and Dr. Paul Chapel went to China and uh, in China to meet together like we are doing right now would mean death for all of us. You can't do that openly. And Dr. Gibbs had shared how that he and Brother uh, Pastor Chapel went to the underground church that's over there. It's a large church. But they had to go down this hallway and they had to go down this alley and they had to go through many different places uh, because 
people would follow them or could follow them. They had to lose all these people in order to get to the underground church And when, he was, when they were there. They shared about a young lady who was supposed to sing that Sunday, and she came up to uh, Dr. Gibbs, who was going to preach. She says, I'm scheduled to sing just before you get ready to, uh, to preach. She says, can I sing two songs today? And Dr. Gibbs says, well, you can sing as many songs as you want, as long as it's okay with the pastor, or you can do whatever. And uh, so the young lady went, and she sat down, and she, uh, as she was getting ready uh, to, to, to do her part in a little bit, the pastor leaned over to Dr. Gibbs. He says, let me just tell you a little bit about her. See, to be part of the underground church, the church that believes this book called the Bible, that believes in Jesus Christ, if they find that you believe that, they, can, they will put you to death. He said, not very long ago, they found her father as part of this church, they, the underground church, and they executed her father. Just a few weeks ago, they, her mother and, and a, another sibling was put to death because they were Christian. And she knows that it's only a matter of time before she's going to be put to death. And her heart's desire is to do all that she can for Jesus while there's time. She got up and she sang a couple of songs. A couple of weeks later, they found her and put her to death. Folks, may I share with you today, we have freedoms because people have been willing to stand for truth and right. And they were willing to sacrifice the sacrifice of one. Many have sacrificed that we might have this freedom today. They went to far distant lands that we might not have to go and fight ourselves. They left mothers and dads and wives and children and sweethearts and their own desires to sacrifice for us. Some will never be the same, having given a limb or some part of their body for freedom. I'm just put on, I'll be on record right here right now. For our vets, we ought to do all that we can to take care of them. They sacrifice so much for us. And we, in America today, we are giving money to our enemies. We should be giving it to our vets. A chaplain was speaking to a soldier who was on a cot in a hospital one day. The chaplain said, son, you've lost a limb. You've lost an arm and a great cause. The young man looked at him and he said, <laughs> smiled on his, smile on his face. He said, you know, I didn't lose it. I gave it. In the same way, Jesus did not lose his life. He gave it purposefully. He died that we might be forgiven and go to heaven. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 10 and verse number, 20, uh, verse number 17. John chapter 10 and verse 17. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's the good shepherd. He said, the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. And then he goes down to verse 17. He says, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life 
that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus freely gave his life for your sins and for mine. He gave his life that we might be set free. In John chapter 15, just over just a few chapters, look at that portion. John chapter 15, verse 13. John 15 and verse 13. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if... You'll say, well, you know, I'm the friend of Jesus. Boy, Jesus and... We're just like this. We're friends. Jesus says this. You are my friends if it's conditional. If ye do whatsoever I've commanded you. See, if we don't want to follow the commandments of the Lord, we're not his friend. I submit to you as you look at this portion of scripture, what has Jesus commanded us to do? Well, the first thing that he commands us to do is found in John chapter 6 and verse number 29. And go back just a little bit and see what Jesus commands. Because people said, we want to do the works of God. We want to do the mighty works of God. They had seen Jesus do miracles here. And, and they wanted to be able to do those works. And so in John chapter 6 and verse number 29, Jesus says this. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. What does that mean? That you believe on Jesus whom the Father hath sent. Jesus Christ came into the world to die for your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus sacrificed to set you free from sin and death. What will you do with the sacrifice? What will you do with that sacrifice? Will you receive it or will you reject it? You know, as we come today on this Memorial Day, it's to reflect on the sacrifice of men and women, brave men and women of our nation who have laid down their life for our freedom. You know, some treat this pretty insignificant. As I go around, as we're out, we were out calling and different things yesterday, I was noticing people were getting their food and they're getting things ready and they're ready for the barbecue and they're ready for all the fun and, and, and the fellowship and all the things that are going to go on and it is more of a fun day. But I submit to you folks, we've forgotten the sacrifice. Some will not even stop and think about the sacrifice of those fallen ones. But may I share with you you were to ask the parents of those who have fallen or that loved one, that mate, or those children who have lost a mom or a dad. That's not just something that's insignificant. To them, that's a big deal. 
how much more does God feel about the sacrifice of his son? Can I tell you something? It's a big deal that Jesus Christ sacrificed for you. Some mock and they scoff. And they say, well, it's no big deal that Jesus died on the cross. Oh, but can I tell you something? To God, it's a big deal. He sacrificed his very son for you and for me that we might be set free. To reject Jesus is to reject the Father. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Go to the end of your, the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. And see what Peter says about this Issue, 1 Peter 1.18, talking about Jesus Christ shedding his blood for you and me to set us free. But with the presence, excuse me, verse 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed or purchased, your, your salvation was not purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold. Can I tell you something? What he's saying here is you can't buy salvation. You can't give money to be able to have your sins removed from you. There's not no, no amount of gold that God will accept for the, the payment for your sins. So, Pastor, I'm going to give a lot of money to the church, and that will get me to heaven. No, it won't. Even if you gave to Galilee Baptist Church, it wouldn't get you to heaven. It's not a, there's not enough gold in the world to pay for your sins. So God sent his only begotten son. That was the sacrifice Jesus and Jesus alone is the way that a person has their sins taken care of. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by the tradition of your, for, of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without, without spot. Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, beginning with verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted, that the Lord is gracious. Can I tell you today that the Lord is gracious when he saves us? Amen. To whom coming as unto a living stone. That's Jesus. He's a living stone. Jesus died, he was buried, but he rose again. Because he lives, we too shall live. He's disallowed indeed of men. Men have disallowed him. Oh, you don't have to believe in Jesus. I was going by one of the places down here, just down the street today, and boy, I tell you what, their place was packed out, but I'm telling you right now, the people that are going there, that are hearing the messages coming out of their pulpit today, is not the message of salvation. And that's going to lead them to a place called hell. I pray that their eyes are open today. Folks, can I tell you something? Unless our eyes are open to the gospel, we're going to die in our sins. The Bible says that Jesus is disallowed of men, but he's chosen of God and precious. He also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 
Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I, talking about God the Father, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You say, what does that mean? When they were going to build a house, they would look at a stone that was, that was square, that was as square as possible because all the walls would be built off of, that, off of the, the sides of that, that square stone. Say, oh, Pastor, you know what? That Bible and what you preach and what you teach is so square. Praise God. It is as square as you can get it because it's founded upon Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. You build your life on Jesus Christ, and he's that main square stone that your life is built upon. People will look at you and say, man, you're square. Praise God. Praise God. Well, you're out of step with the world. Praise God. I want to be in step with God. My life is built on Jesus, on his word and his truth. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, he's chosen, he's precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Not going to be ashamed to believe on Jesus. How about you today? I, I'm glad I've got a Savior who's my Savior. He saved me. We see one person stood and sacrificed. Each of our men and women of our nation stand as one, but they stand united together for the same cause. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I want you to see the second point, and that's this, the selflessness of one. Go back to that portion where we were just at it, John chapter 12 and verse 24. It says, verily, verily, that word verily means truly, truly, amen, amen. I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the, gro into the ground and die, it abideth alone. It abideth alone. That word abideth is the idea it produces no fruit. It doesn't produce fruit except it dies. It'll abide alone. It won't produce any fruit. Jesus said that there must be a selflessness of the seed to give of itself in order to be of benefit. Over the years, we've seen the selflessness of our men and women in service to set aside their dreams to serve our country, to give themselves that others might be able to speak freely, to worship freely, and to live at peace. Jesus, in speaking of being, uh, of being one of his disciples, lists selflessness as one of the ingredients. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. Matthew 16 and verse 24. If I were to go up and down the aisles today and say, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'd probably venture to say that there'd be many of them say, oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, I, I, I know Jesus. We're walking with Jesus. We're following Jesus. Well, consider what Jesus said about being one of his disciples. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, 
You know, the Bible says in John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They're coming after me. Now he's, getting, now he's going to explain about that coming after him. Here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. There it is. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To deny himself. What does that mean? That means my desires, my direction of my life, I've got to deny myself and say, Lord, here's my life. I give you my life. You do with my life whatever you want. You say, well, pastor, that's good for pastors and it's good for missionaries. But I'm just a common lay person. Jesus didn't say, if you're a pastor or you're a missionary, that's what I expect for you to do. No, he says, if you're going to be a follower of me, you're going to be my disciple. That means simply this. I've got to deny myself. That means all the things that I want to do come second to what he wants me to do. That in all things he might have the preeminence first place. In our life. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. I think today what happens is this. People think, well, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to give him so much time. Well, I give him ten minutes. I was going to tell you something. The Christian life is not a ten-minute job. It's a 24-7. It's yielding your life to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm no longer the master of my life. You are. Well, you see those little bumper stickers on cars and, and the, the, the little cutesy things. Well, God is my co-pilot. Can I tell you something? That's heresy. God does, want, want, does not want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be in the pilot seat. Well, it sounds better if I have he's my co-pilot. I'll tell you what, through the storms of life, you better have him as the pilot. Because he knows how to get us to the harbor safe. Jesus said here, he says in that illustration, that that grain of wheat cannot live by himself or for himself. If it does, it abides alone. There's no fruit. May I share with you today, if you live for yourself, and you live for what you want to do, and what you think is right, and what the direction you want to go with your life, I can share with you, based upon the word of God, you will abide alone and you will not bear fruit in your Christian life. You'll be a fruitless Christian. We have freedom as a nation because folk were willing to be other-centered. They were willing to die to self that it might produce fruit. Spiritually speaking, if Jesus hadn't died, we would still be in our sins on our way to hell. But he was selfless. He died in our place. And because of that, he bore fruit unto eternal life. Let me ask you today, excuse me, have you learned to be selfless? Or are you selfish? I came across something that was kind of interesting and I want to share it with you. It's called Nine Great Ideas, All Mine. So the title of it. My idea of visitation, everybody come to see me. 
My idea of sympathy. Everybody suffering with me. My idea of a sinner. The man for whom I have great dislike. It's not me, it's him. My idea of a meek man. The man who yields to me. My idea of a contentious man. The man who takes issue with me. That's a contentious man. My idea of a wise man. The man who listens to me. My idea of unity, everybody agreeing with me. My idea of cooperation, everybody working with me. And my idea of a good sermon. Say, Pastor, what's their idea of a good sermon? One that fits and hits everybody but me. Have you learned to be selfish in life? Or have you learned to be selfless? A wealthy woman told the doctor that she was frustrated by the restlessness that she had in her life for more and more things. He replied this way. He said, you know, these are the usual symptoms of too much ease in the home and too little gratitude of the heart. If there will be fruit which comes from our life, we must first leave or learn to yield to God and are willing to live for others. A little song that the little chorus that the children sing, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others we meet face to face. And Y is for you. And whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. I want you to see the third and final point here. The superabundant brought forth as a result of sacrifice and selflessness of one. That verse that we saw back there in John, the Bible says, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The sacrifice and selflessness of Jesus has provided salvation for many. You say, well, pastor, I would think that, that there should be salvation for the whole world. Well, Jesus died for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, and that whosoever, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus died to show his, the Father's love for the whole world. It's sufficient to take care of the sins of the whole world, but it's only efficient for those who receive it. There's a lot of people that have heard about Jesus. They've heard about Jesus dying on a cross. They've gone, come to church maybe many times out of their life, and, and they've heard the gospel given. I'll tell you what, at this place, you're going to hear it often. Because you never know if there's a person here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. But I submit to you, you can hear it and not go to heaven. It's not until you receive it and say, you know what, by faith I ask Jesus to be my Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must decide that you want to accept his wonderful gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Romans 10, 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't call upon the name of the Lord, you're not going to go to heaven. If I'm a good person, pastor, sorry, it doesn't get you there. That's not the ticket. Pastor, I've been a, a morally good person. I've been helping people. It's not going to get you to heaven. But my parents were, were good Christian people. That's not going to get you to heaven. It's a personal decision that you must make to receive Christ as your Savior. A superabundant sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. When you accept it, then you get to enjoy it. If I had a $1,000 bill... And I walk down there to Jan and say, Jan, I got a $1,000 bill. It's a gift for me to you. And I wave it in front of his face. I said, this is a gift, Jan. Jan starts in his mind, starts thinking of all the things that he could do, buying that, using that money to buy this and make, do this and, and, you know, and, and spoil his wife and, and, and get some things that she wants for her and do all sorts of nice things. Right, Jan? Okay. Um, I'm just trying, I'm trying to help you out, brother. Just let me help you out. Okay. But you know what? As long as it's in my hand, it does him no good. He can see it. He can understand it. He can perceive it. It's not until I have it out there and he actually takes it and it becomes his that he can use it. The same thing is true. Jesus said that when we receive him, then we have eternal life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I give unto them eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. Either you have Jesus today and you have eternal life, or you don't. There's no in-between. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. You have put your trust, your faith in Jesus alone. It's not Jesus in baptism. It's not Jesus in the church. It's not Jesus in... And, and, and uh, being good, it's Jesus only. It's the only way we get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. You know, in the same manner, through sacrifice and selfishness of others, we enjoy freedom today. Somebody had to pay the price. The song Tani sang about there's a cost. There's a cost and there will always be a cost. Some people say, well, then how can it be free? Because freedom isn't free. It costs and will always cost. Our nation is under attack like never before. People who would desire to destroy our nation. I said earlier that men and women have gone to foreign fields, foreign countries, so that we would not have to go. But can I tell you something? In America today, the battle's here. It's come to our borders. Our freedom as a nation required sacrifice and selflessness. Our spiritual freedom required the sacrifice of God's own Son, His selflessness, bringing, uh, bringing into being many sons of God because He was willing to sacrifice and His selflessness to die on a cross in your place. 
Should we not be willing to sacrifice so that others may enjoy the freedom that we have? Well, pastor, if it doesn't touch me, then it's not important enough for me to sacrifice for. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. It's time we better stand up as an American and stand up for what's truth and what's right because our freedoms are being taken from us. Should we not be willing to live a selfless life that others might hear the gospel? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might be blessed? I pray that we would. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we come before you realizing the importance of freedom and liberty, and we enjoy it here in this nation. Lord, I pray that we get back to you, that we get back to realizing the stand we need to take as Christians in this dark day. We need to stand from in our homes for Jesus Christ, on the, in the workplace, at the schools. Father, we need to hold high the truths of thy word and not be ashamed. Lord, I thank you for the precious men and women that have laid down their lives in advance of this time that we might have this freedom. And I thank you more, more than that for your son Jesus who came to give us true liberty by sacrificing his life on the cross. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I don't know where you stand when your relationship with God. You may not know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. You can be today before you leave. You can settle that decision in your heart. God says that he loves you, as I said already in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right now, you might say, well, why did Jesus have to die? Because you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. There had to be a price paid. There is a price that would be paid. You can pay it yourself if you want. To die, death is not just physical death that he's talking about there. There's a place called hell. And if you want to pay for your sins, it means to go to a place that you're going to burn forever and ever. You can pay that price if you want, but somebody mercifully and graciously paid that price for you. His name was Jesus. He died in your place. He died for your sins that you might be saved. He shed his blood as a payment, a perfect sacrifice for you. And right now in your heart, if you believe, as the Bible says, that Jesus died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. If you're willing to turn to Jesus and turn from your sins, you can be saved. Right now, in the quietness of your heart, you can pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe Jesus died for me. 
I want him to come into my heart and save me right now. Right now, today. I believe he's that sacrifice for my sin. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, if you prayed and asked Jesus as your Savior, God says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God promises to save you today. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you allow me to pray for you this morning as you begin your new life as a Christian? Would you just do me a favor, slip your hand up for just a moment and put it back down if you prayed and asked Christ to be your Savior this morning? Maybe God has spoken to you this morning. You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. But God has challenged me to take a, a, a bolder stand for Jesus Christ. God's spoken to me. Somebody's got to stand that we might have freedom. We're not to bury our head in the sand and just kind of go on like it's, 